This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. Um, yeah, Steve said my name is Johnny. I help run youth and students here at God First. Um, and if you've been coming to God First for the last couple of weeks, uh, then you'll know we have been going through a series about the parables of Jesus. So last week, uh, Zach Bonington, he tackled a rather difficult parable, which was the parable of the shrewd manager, and he did a really good job. So if you didn't hear that one, definitely go online. Um, it is online on our website, so you can give it a listen, and uh, it's definitely well worth it. So he did really well there. Brilliant. The other day, uh, Lena, my wife, she's beautiful, um, her and um, we had some of her in-laws round, and um, when they got to the front door, they were greeted with three plants. Uh, two of them were really nice and green and flourishing and stuff, and then the other one was our sweet pea plant, and unfortunately, because we'd been on holiday, it kind of just died and shriveled and just kind of, yeah, wasn't very nice looking. And Lena's parents are quite avid gardeners, so they were, like, shocked and in despair <laughs> at the fact that we had not looked after this plant. And it just made me think of what I'm going to talk on today, uh, which is the parable of the sower. Um, but first, I want to briefly touch on why parables, why does Jesus uh, use them? So the reason why Jesus spoke so many parables, he actually spoke around 24 in total, is not to test the intelligence of us. I mean, I'm so glad he's not trying to test my intelligence because I went to a quiz uh, the other night. And um, I get, I'll tell you, I managed to answer maybe two correct answers in like four rounds. It was terrible. <laughs> As, uh, my general knowledge is, is terrible. Um, so parables are not to test our intellectual ability, but actually... It is there to test our spiritual perception and our spiritual responsiveness um, of the word. Um, To see what the parable truly means is proof that we have received the illumination of the Holy Spirit, who alone can open our spiritual eyes to the truth of God. And uh, interestingly, the parable of the sir is the first parable in the book of Mark. And so... And also interesting adds to that is it's the only parable where Jesus fully explains what it means to disciples, making this parable the key to all other parables, for it deals with our perception of Christ's teachings um, in this moment. So sometimes I think this parable would have been quite good to start with at the beginning of the series, because it's like a beginning introductory uh, parable that we, we learn from and that Jesus fully explains. So we're like, okay, this is how his parables work, this is what he's meaning. And then the rest of the parables, you need to read yourself and ask God to reveal it to you as you read it. Um, So we're going to read Mark 4 uh, with us now. So if you want to open your Bibles, if you've got them, or the... And um, yeah, we're going to read from Mark 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching they said, he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. 
As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that it did not hear and did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others asked him, uh, around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where this word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown in rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Phew, we got through it. <laughs> Great. Well, as you can see, Jesus has literally explained that all. So my job is done. I don't need to explain anything else. We're going to ask the band to come back. We're going to have an extended time of worship because, you know, we all get it now. No, I'm joking, as you can tell. Um, we're just, I'm going to pray and then we'll get stuck into it. So, yeah, Father God, I thank you uh, for your word. I thank you that it is alive and active today. And I just uh, pray for the words that uh, I've come up with today and with you that we come up, Lord God. I just pray that you would speak through me and speak to many hearts today. I pray it would be open and uh, receptive to what has been said, even if this parable has been spoken many times before, Lord God. I pray it will be open to new spiritual revelation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so firstly, let's talk about the sower and the seed. So, who do we think is the sower? God, we, Jesus, kind of the Sunday school answer, that's great. Okay, and what is the seed? The, the word of God, great, brilliant. And I just want to draw something that's interesting from the first verses in this, in this passage, is that when we read this, it doesn't say God was, or the sower wasn't meticulously planting seeds in designated good soil areas, okay? He says he was scattering the seed left, right, and center, but sometimes I think, isn't that a bit wasteful? If, you're, if you were to plant a, a field yourself or to plant seeds in your garden, you wouldn't really just go about throwing seeds left, right and centre and just hope that the plants will grow and that, you know, our seeds might land on the, uh, on the pavement, but, you know, hopefully they'll grow. But actually this reveals something of, um, of who God is because, you know, Christ came to rescue sinners 
He didn't come to rescue just all the good people in this world. It says in Luke 5, verse 31, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And so his purpose is to bring salvation to everyone. That's why he scattered the seeds everywhere. It's not that he said, yeah, that good soil over there, I'll give you the seed, you'll, you'll, you'll receive me. And he doesn't say, actually, oh, that soil over there, or you, you're, you're too difficult, I can't reach you, you've done too much wrong, you've messed up yeah. too much, you're, you're too, too dead in your sin, I can't, I can't rescue you. No, God says, and God scatters everywhere. He gives everyone the opportunity to receive the gospel. And in 2 Corinthians 5.15, we see this play out. It says, and he died for all. He says he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So everyone here, there's no one here that's excluded from receiving the gospel today. There's no one here that is too far down the bad path. Okay? We all have the opportunity to receive the gospel and see something of God's love today. Now, Jesus' explanation of the parable of the sower highlights four different responses to the gospel. Number one, the seed that falls along the path, which is the hard heart. Number two, the rocky soil, the shallow heart. Number three, the thorny ground, the preoccupied shallow heart. Um, Number four, the good soil, the heart that hears and accepts. So we're going to look at these different responses and look at what they look like in our lives today. And I just want to say again, for those who may have heard these, this story and this parable many times before, please listen with open ears and open eyes. I, be ready to receive a new spiritual understanding, even if this is your hundredth time you've heard it. Because, you know, the whole of your Christian life is full of continual and progressive response to fresh spiritual revelation. So don't just let this wipe over you. Or if this is your first time in church, or if it's your first time hearing this, then please equally keep your eyes and ears open for uh, what we've got to say. Okay, so number one, a busy life uh, in an evil world. So it's uh, the seed that fell along the path. The response to the word of God in this soil is literally there's no room for the seed to be packed down into the soil. There's no place for the seed to go. It just sits on top, and as you see, in, as we read in Mark, the birds come and eat it up again. And, you know, this world is full of uh, stuff that allures us, fills us with sensations and attractions, all designed to distract us and absorb us uh, of our time and life. And uh, for me personally, I found this uh, when I, I got addicted to a game called Football Manager. Uh, I don't know, some of you may have heard of that. Uh, and my wife, my, wife, my wife might say that I got very addicted to it, um, so you might want to talk to her about it, but um, it was really bad. I did, like, any spare moment in the day, I'd be wanting to go play it, and it just kind of took up just needless amount of time. And I came to this realisation that playing this game was just utterly worthless. It wasn't helping me, it wasn't helping Lena, it wasn't helping anyone else. And I just thought... It brought me into this vegetative, vegetative state. That's a hard word. <laughs> vegetative. Oh, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> this state where you get into just nothing. You're doing nothing. And I think that's what the devil wants us to be in, okay? The devil wants to get us into this place where we just are doing nothing for the kingdom and we're just doing stuff in the world. And you know, the devil isn't just this red cartoon character that has horns on its heads. 
We should never underestimate the devil. He is a sly and skillful adversary with many years' experience in dealing with humanity. But there's one thing that we should always keep in mind when we come across the devil's works and temptations. It's, it's summed up nice in Colossians 2.15. It says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, being Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus has won the victory. We don't have to worry about Satan because we have won. We are, we are entering into this victory, okay? And you do not need to be overcome by Satan because Jesus is far, far more powerful than him. So do not let the devil waste your time like, like I did playing football manager and doing worthless stuff like that. Instead, seek God and spend time with him and doing the things that God really created you to do. And you know, for some of us in here, it might not be that you get distracted by computer games, but I know there are a few gamers in this room. <laughs> but it might be other things, such as your distraction wanting to earn money, or working, or maybe you're addicted to betting, or going on big shopping trips, or going on incredibly fun-packed holidays, uh, or you're just generally the mundane work-life kids, family. All these can be good things, maybe not the betting, but <laughs> we have the tendency to twist things into something that becomes bigger than God and it becomes our idol. We can get distracted from the serious reflection it takes to understand Christ's message and commit to the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says this, In their case, the God of this world, the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's what it says in the Bible. It says we can easily get blinded by the devil's work. We can just turn a blind eye to actually what the word of God is saying about us and what the truth of the gospel is. And we mustn't let that happen. Our prayer must be that we do not respond like the hard soil. And may the Lord himself batter down our resistance and give us tender pliable hearts anxious to receive and obey his word let us be praying for the people we know to have soft hearts for the gospel number two the rocky soil the shallow heart the response to the word of god is that you can hear the true message of the kingdom and understand parts of it you may even accept parts of it in your life for various reasons, perhaps because it may reflect something you've already uh, believed about life or God and the Bible. And at first, you, you might love the gospel, the church and the fellowship, the community, you love those things. You're overjoyed with your newfound salvation. You bring others to services with you. You may even witness to unbelievers. You throw yourself into work of the gospel, giving your time and treasure, but you, you have no firm root. The word never really anchors itself in your heart. It never really establishes its roots. And I'm, I'm sure there are many of us, actually, who have stories of friends or family where we see them fall away from having previously known Jesus or had a, some sort of relationship with Jesus and actually they've kind of walked away from that. And it's so painful. But actually sometimes it's... Uh, our human hearts coming through it forward, our, our human minds producing this kind of worldly religion which contains a mixture of truth and error that prevent most people from seeing the whole picture of the gospel. Some people might start to follow Jesus for good but ultimately superficial reasons such as friendships or the flirt to convert or just caring for people or nice music 
or the activities they do, such as New Day or the moral teaching that the church provides for the children, their children. But they never made a decisive con- uh, commitment and knowingly knew that they were convicted of their sin and need for a saviour. The world we see is not all that the world is. They may have seemed to follow Jesus. A plant did grow. Something was there. It appeared healthy. The signs of authenticity seemed to be present, but in fact there was no real faith, repentance, or conversion. And you know, sometimes it can be because of these things such as trials and tribulations, as Jesus talks about in Mark, that come into your life. And something happens that doesn't match up to who you think God is or who you think he should be. And in these times, I, it's, I think it's important to cling to scripture. And one uh, scripture I thought was kind of, it's shocking, um, but it's something that we, we need to grab a hold of. And it's uh, in James 1 verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You're thinking, pure joy, trials. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know the difficulty of some things in my life. How dare you say it is pure joy to go through these things? And you know what? I, for me personally, I, I went through uh, a tough time recently where I failed a module at university. And so I was meant to really graduate last year. But unfortunately, I had to redo that module and basically retake a year. And um, that really, like, it really wrecked me, really. I was so annoyed at myself for having failed this module and having to do, like, a fourth year. I felt like an idiot, a bit stupid. And, like, just all these, you know, things come on your head and you're just like, oh. Um, and in this time, I just, I, I learned so much. I've learned that, actually, I need to learn to put my trust in God's plans and not my own plans and, and also his timings because my timings and plans are so, can be so out of sync and be so just all about me and me doing the best and actually it's God does want the best for us but sometimes it is the hard route that he takes for us and you know what going through this uni thing it hasn't been easy I'm at, I graduated this year which is great um, but it's not about me but uh, I know that through this like trial it has grown me closer to God and it has matured my faith and I've had to draw on God's strength throughout this whole time. So I want you to think for yourself, have I become a stronger or weaker person as a result of afflictions and persecutions? Have I rejoiced or have I become bitter? Have I been heartened or lost heart? Have I become more resolute or caved in? Have I increased in faith or lost faith. The word must take deep root in our hearts if it is to last. We must not settle for a superficial, shallow, and ultimately temporary faith. Number three, the thorny ground. This is for those who may accept the good news, but all too quickly the message gets crowded out by the cares of this life and the lure of wealth, as it says in the passage we read. People may find they have great desires for the things of this world. People might think they have greater desires for the things of this world, such as your career, how much money you have, sex, social standing, power, 
And actually, these things become greater uh, than God. And they don't want to give up any of these things for the truth of the gospel, as they think their desires are better. And uh, a fictional tale by an unknown author goes like this. Uh, Satan and his demons met to determine how to disrupt, disrupt the lives of Christians. Knowing they couldn't keep people from going to church, worshipping or believing in God, Satan cooked up a scheme to break the intimate spiritual connection believers should have with God. He would fill their lives with materialism and physical pursuits. And this is what they came up with. Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent unnumbered schemes to occupy their minds. Tempt them to spend, 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 then borrow, borrow, borrow. Crowd their lives with so many good causes they have no time to seek power from Christ. Soon they'll be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family unity for the good of this cause. And the evil angels went eagerly to their assignments, causing Christians everywhere to get busy, busy, busy and rush here and there. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like me. And I feel like for some of us today, it might, it might be some of our story as well. Um, and the gospel, you know, it isn't opposed to making money, as we heard from Zach actually last week. And, and it's not opposed to enjoying the fruits and the good things of this life. But Christ addresses the worries and distractions that can crowd out a serious relationship with God. And we all know how busy each day can be with work and school and Netflix and YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and other pursuits. Modern life is geared to lure us away from the time spent thinking about life's true meaning, studying the Bible, talking with God in prayer and spiritual fellowship. Uh, the Apostle Paul echoes this with uh, what he writes in Titus 2.12. Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And you know what? We can do what this passage urges us to do. We can live a we can live a life um, we can live a godly life today, no matter what the distractions. We can produce godly fruit, but we have to make that choice and then stick to it. And friends, here at God First, we, we like to um, put forward the idea of accountability groups. We do this here by calling these groups groups of threes. Um, and we do this by, we meet up in threes, and we discuss life's nitty bits, uh, nitty gritty bits and pieces uh, of our lives. And you ask each other nitty gritty questions. And it's a chance for light to shine on dark places of our lives. And it's a chance to encourage each other in the words. It's a, it's a time for us to look at, actually, who does Jesus say I am? And it's a time for just to disciple each other and bring each, everyone uh, closer to God. And so it's a chance so that we can yeah, grow closer to Jesus and understand the full riches of his gospel. Number four, the good soil the heart that hears and accepts. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. This is how we know if we have truly accepted the kingdom of God. This is the proof. We see the fruit. And one way of observing this is the fruits of the Spirit. 
And we see this in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you know what? I urge you guys, maybe this week, in maybe a quiet time, just to read over these, uh, these things and actually just think about, oh, am I displaying these things? And, and then just pray, God, would you... Uh, Help me to display these things. Holy Spirit, would you help me to display love? Help me to display joy. Help me to display peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want us to point ourselves and to be reflective in that way so that we can draw close to God. But we must not be foolish, okay? There is a spiritual world influencing the physical world. And Satan does his best to disrupt the plan of God, but he wins only if we let him. And as I said earlier, our modern world is full of distractions, the rocks, the thorns, and the birds that conspire to prevent God's word and his calling from taking root and bearing fruit. But actually, just even in that knowledge is vital understanding for us all. Satan, by many deceitful methods, doesn't want you to receive the message and act on it. He just wants you to turn a blind eye to it and carry on with your normal, busy life. And you know, me saying all this can, be, can sound pretty tough and heavy and kind of painful when you think, well, I just feel like if I become a Christian, there's just trapdoors left, right and centre. I'm just going to fall down and just do rubbishly. So why should I even become a Christian? Well, John in his gospel tells us in John 10.10, that he says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Yeah? Jesus came so that we can live life to the full. We have fullness of life through Jesus. That's the best thing about receiving the gospel. Our hearts are restless and hurting, but we find rest in Jesus. We find our satisfaction in him. He fulfills the great gaping hole in our hearts. There is rest for your soul today in Jesus. And then further on in John uh, 10, it says in verse 28, it's a beautiful picture of God as our shepherd and us being the sheep. And it goes like this. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them everlasting life and they shall certainly never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is for us. He is caring for us. And he is looking out for us that we do not get snatched away by the things of this world. God has us in his grip. And we can trust in him. And we should take him uh, for his word. And I just want us to respond uh, in three, three different ways this morning. And I want you to, I'm going to ask, I'm going to say three different things. And I just want you to think about this to yourself and question your heart, question your mind and, and see if this uh, is, means anything to you. So the first one is, what quality of soil is your life? Is it full of stones? Has it been packed down hard by the journey of this life? Can Satan easily snatch the valuable and precious truth of God from your life? Or is it, uh, or I want you to consider your heart, whether you can allow that seed to put down root 
and begin to change your life now? Can that seed come and be installed in your heart? And are you going to make a decision today? Yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then finally, God's calling over our lives is to multiply and be fruitful. So we must pray that we multiply. Pray for your friends. Pray for your family, your workmates, neighbours. Pray for each other that you are fruitful in this world and for his kingdom. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.